Hello, 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 and welcome to the first official SLP Corner podcast. So, like the title suggests, this podcast is going to be focused on late talkers and a topic I am very passionate about, why the wait-and-see approach is outdated. So, before I really delve into both of those topics... I wanted to give you a little idea of what this podcast will be bringing to the table and what it will be like in future podcast episodes. So I really want this podcast to be a place where people who are either working with children or they're parents and they have young children or they are a healthcare professional, they're an OT, they're an SLP, they're a pediatrician, a GP. I just want this to be a place where people can connect and learn from each other. I really love podcasts. I have heard before from podcasters, and it's so true, that the podcast is the only platform that respects the listener's time. Other platforms like Instagram, Facebook, websites, they take up so much time to read and scroll and click. And it's it's a lot of time that people don't have, especially if you're a parent with young children, you don't have that kind of time. So I realized that although my posts are getting to the people who have the time to read them, what about all the parents and the healthcare professionals who are too busy to take the time out of their day to spend the time reading this information that I think is invaluable? So... I really just want this to be a place where we can all connect and you can listen to it when you're working out, when you're cooking, when you're taking your kids to school. I'm going to have my episodes be concise and short because I understand that we don't have time to be listening to a podcast all day. So I really hope that this is of value to anyone who's listening to it. So in future episodes, I'll be doing a lot of podcast episodes solo on topics that I find to be incredibly interesting and any areas that I'm feeling passionate about or that I feel like I get a lot of questions in or that I just feel like aren't talked about enough because there are so many areas in speech-language pathology that are very important for people to know but they're not talked about and no one, no one knows anything about them. So I'm really looking forward to that. Hopefully there will be interviews with other SLPs, OTs, BIs, SLPAs, other physicians like GPs, maybe pediatricians. I'm really looking forward to the possibilities with that. But most of all, I really want to interview parents. Parents of typically developing children, parents of children who are receiving therapy services. I just want to... I want their voices to be shared for other people to hear. So, like I said, this podcast is going to dive into the topic of what is a late talker and why the wait and see approach is outdated. So, first and foremost, I really want to make sure we are all on the same page with what is a late talker. That term is thrown around so much. I always hear people say, oh, they're a late talker, or they were a late talker. I've heard people say, oh, my kid was a late talker. He didn't talk till he was four. And I'm thinking, are you sure? (laughs) Like, that's, wow. Okay, so 
what the literature says, the most recent up-to-date literature says, a child with less than 50 words at 24 months of age or no word combinations at 24 months of age would be deemed a late talker. So at two years old, if your child has less than 50 words or they're not combining words, they would be deemed a late talker. What I always want to mention to parents is that if a child has less than 100 words, they won't be combining words. So I wouldn't worry too, too much that, oh my gosh, they're not combining words and they don't have 100 words. I'm sure usually what I see is when the words come, the combinations come. So what we see with children who are on a typically developing trajectory, we see 100 words at two years of age. And they also have two word combinations. So they're combining two words. They could say mama up, dog eat. So they have 100 words and they're combining words. So if a child is not at that mark, this is reflective of a language delay and possible neurodevelopmental problems. So it's really incredibly important that if you notice your child or maybe a sibling's child or a close family friend's child, they have, they're way below the mark, it's worth a referral because like I'm going to be diving into my next topic for this podcast is the wait and see approach is outdated. So we want those referrals in and we want to see children as soon as possible because early intervention can make a huge, huge difference. So before I jump into what the wait and see approach is, you might be asking yourself, what is the wait and see approach? What what does that mean? People say it a lot, the wait and see approach, what is it? So the wait and see approach is essentially when anyone in your life really, it could be a healthcare professional, it could be a GP, a pediatrician, it could be an SLP, it could be a parent, they say, I'll just wait and see. Let's just wait and see. And they're referring to your child's speech and language development or another developmental area for other other uh, specialists and professionals. So this, unfortunately, is something that does occur frequently. A parent will come to a GP or a pediatrician or even an SLP because I really don't want this to be giving physicians a hard time, but Parents will often go to a healthcare professional and they'll say, I'm really worried. My child um, is at this word number. Maybe they're at 50 words and they're 22 months or they're 50 words and they're 24 months. I'm so worried. And I just think that I need help and I'm concerned because I saw that the milestone is this and they're at this and I'm worried. And then the healthcare professional would say to them, let's just wait and see. Let's let's check back in in six months. Let's check back in in a year. I've seen so many kids not speak until they were four or five. Let's just wait and see. And first and foremost, I want to emphasize that if you are a parent and you were worried enough to take your child in to get seen by a healthcare professional, Do not lose sight of the fact that you are the expert of your child. Parents know their children the best. 
They know that child and they know when something is wrong. So I always want parents to be affirmed in their inherent knowledge of their child's development. So just because you aren't a physician or just because you aren't a speech language pathologist, just because you're not an early childhood educator, you are their parent and you are the expert of their child. And I never want any parents to lose sight of that and they need to stay strong in their convictions. So why is the wait and see approach outdated? Why do I feel so passionate about this topic? So basically this all started when I came across an article by Singleton 2018. It's in my blog www.slpcorner.com and I I found his article and it said late talkers the wait and see approach is outdated. And I thought, finally, finally, there is a resource, a tangible resource that says it how it is. I was so excited. So right away, I read the entire article. I couldn't believe it. I was in love with it. I was like so excited. And I made a blog post because I know that parents, they aren't always on UBC library or Google Scholar. They're not checking. They have a million things to do. So that is one of the reasons why I like my blog and I like this podcast because I can summarize it and I can share the key points and I can sift through the good research, the bad research, what's the new, what is the new research saying and why is it important? So essentially I wrote this article, which I'm going to dive into and shocker, It went viral in 24 hours, completely viral. It was my first blog post to go completely viral. I've never seen more shares and authentic visitors to my site. I couldn't even believe it. But I, I just felt like that affirmed, that affirmed the importance I felt of this topic and this subject. And I, I just thought, yeah, of course, people are relieved to have this type of tangible information. It is so discouraging for parents to hear, oh, just wait and see, when they know there's something wrong. So I really do feel quite passionate about not only early intervention, but on early intervention and respecting parents' opinions and feelings of their child. So Singleton asserts in his paper that the wait and see approach is incredibly risky, it's outdated, and it is a dangerous way to navigate atypical developmental patterns in children's speech and language. One of the many issues associated with the wait and see approach is that it delays referrals. So there are already huge wait lists for seeking help for, from SLPs, occupational therapists, and the list goes on. So it's really unfortunate when someone is told to wait and see because even just putting that referral in, it could still take six months. So it's just about putting that referral in to speed up the process. So delaying referrals because you were told to wait and see, it, it's just it's really discouraging for parents and it slows the entire early intervention process down when really you have nothing to lose. You could go see the SLP. The SLP is a speech specialist in speech and language. 
they can assess the speech and language and maybe they can say, I'm not worried for reasons X, Y, and Z, depending on the kid. But it is always worth it to put in the referral and get a consult in. So one of the... So along with delaying referrals, one statistic that I found to be quite concerning was that Singleton reported that over 80%, 80% of toddlers who failed a language screening at 30 months were not recovered even by age 6. Wow. So kids who are failing language screenings at 2 and a half. 80% of those kids who failed that language screening were not recovered by age 6. So that is very concerning. Often, those 80% would continue on to get a language disorder in elementary school. They would get diagnosed with a language disorder. So this just reminds me of when I was working with a speech-language pathologist in undergrad and I I was asking her about like what are the benefits for seeking out early intervention for speech and language delays or disorders early on for children before they go to kindergarten and she said well first of all you're taking advantage of the plasticity of a young child's brain so children have a lot of plasticity that you can take advantage of and you can utilize to your benefit when they're younger, so the younger the better. But she also mentioned that it's not only easier for children to acquire new information and improve functions in specific areas of challenge when they're less... She also mentioned that it's just easier for children to learn and acquire new information and improve functions in specific areas that can be really challenging when they aren't very overwhelmed and over at overload in other areas. So when kids are beginning school, they are very overwhelmed. You might not realize a four or five-year-old how stressed out and overwhelmed they are, but it's a big change and they're often incredibly stressed and overwhelmed and they're running on overdrive. So what happens is parents often think, oh, I'll just wait till they're in school um, because if it's really such a big deal, then they'll just seek out, they'll get um, seeked out by uh, an SLP or their teacher will flag them. But then the child will suffer the wait list of the school system. They'll have a harder time catching up to their peers and they just will be incredibly anxious and busy because they already have a million other things to learn for the first time. So it's really helpful if when they're already not in school and they don't have all of these other new areas of learning that they can focus in on this one thing and really delve into that and try to improve it. One thing that I really liked that I read in a textbook once is that children learn to read until they eventually begin to read to learn. So if children aren't acquiring language at a rate that is developmentally appropriate, this will affect their literacy and their ability to read. 
And it's fine when everyone's reading to learn or when, when everyone's, it's fine when everyone's learning to read. But when the other kids are making that switch and now they're reading to learn new things, that is when the child will begin to fall behind and it will have a very, very negative effect on not only their academic performance, but their self-confidence, their self-worth, and their self-efficacy. So early intervention can help a child avoid going through years of failure and can really help them out in the long run. And two final points that I really want to leave on and emphasize is number one, this is, I heard this from a guest lecturer who was talking about early intervention in one of our lectures, and she said, pay early or you will pay more later. So pay early or you will pay more later. I posted this on my Instagram and there were some comments saying, oh, well, my state or my province has free funding or has a lot of funding and free therapy services for X, for autism or for this type of child. But I don't just mean this in a monetary sense. Pay earlier, you'll pay more later. It's yes, it can be money because yeah, therapy can be expensive depending on where you live and who you're going to. But it's also paying more in a way where the child is paying. They're paying in their insecurities. They're paying in their the hard, hard work that they're putting in when they're older and they don't have as much time. They're paying in maybe their grades are suffering because they're being pulled out, pulled out of class for therapy. So I really feel like pay early or you'll pay later and you will pay more later is, is a big takeaway. And I think that people should think about that when they're considering whether or not they want to dive into the world of early intervention for their child. And for my last point, I really want to leave this podcast on a positive note. And that is success breeds success. Therapy and early intervention will help a child become successful in an area that is hard, challenging, and it's one of their weaknesses. Even the smallest success will result in a child gaining so much more confidence, and confidence will lead to a child having more motivation to work on these areas of challenge, and it will help them improve even more. So success breeds success. It's motivating. It's exciting and it it really makes children feel empowered to be the best versions that they can be. So I really hope you enjoyed my first official SLP Corner podcast. I'm really looking forward to diving into more topics. If you have any recommendations of topics you'd like me to discuss, you can email me at Shannon's SLP Corner at gmail.com or you can contact me on Instagram, shannon.slpcorner. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you later.